0: Good morning, everyone. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. Like, and I'm guessing you at home, you either just said good morning back to me and felt weird about it, or uh, you were standing there in your kitchen going, I don't know, what do we do? Are we supposed to say good morning to him, and you just feel guilty, right? Oh, these are just weird times. I was supposed to be down at the other end of the building, opening up our new worship center this morning with a big crowd of, I don't know, five, six hundred people sitting here right now. I am slumming it in the big room uh, with nobody around, and it is just weird. And so you are at home watching a video of our church service. I'm really glad that you have tuned in for this. But I do want you to make it as much like your church experience as possible. So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you're drinking coffee, would you please go spill it on your carpet right now? That, that'd be great. It'd make it feel like church. Oh, no, no. Now, all of a sudden, you got really careful with your coffee. I love you all so very much. So much so that we want to get into the Word together. Listen, a coronavirus, a corona apocalypse has hit. And it is weird times and scary times. At the same time, this is a normal time for us in that we want to see God. We want to worship together. We want to be in his word. And as always, we need him to speak, not me. And so to that end, let me pray, okay? Bow your heads with me. Father, we love you very, very much. We don't trust in chariots or horses We trust in the Lord God Almighty. And we ask for your provision. We ask for your protection during this time. We ask for your leadership that we could shine as the body of Christ. And most particularly right now, I want to ask that you would speak. And even though we're doing this by technology and our church is distributed in their homes, but Lord, you would move in their kitchens and in their family rooms and you would move on their hearts and speak your word into their lives today. And I pray for that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are in this short mini-series called Dangerous Prayers. And as you saw from the bumper video and some of our graphics We're using images of explosives, because what we want to do is not have weak prayers. We want to have explosive, dangerous prayers. Pastor Jared mentioned last week the idea of an M80. Now, I actually remember M80s. By the time I was born, Congress had passed a law that weakened them, so we had to strap several of them together to get the desired effect and when I speak of the desired effect, that reminds me of this graphic that we'll put on the screen for you now. It says, if you know what these are, you should probably go back and replace that mailbox from 40 years ago. I'm 49 years old. You have no idea how appropriate that is to me. We played with all kinds of stuff we shouldn't have. I remember playing with gas to burn things and to blow things up. Don't do it. It's stupid, stupid stuff. I remember my brother loved to play fireman, so he would set things on fire in the driveway, then go in the house and get the fire extinguisher to put it out. I wonder if my parents ever noticed that that thing was always like on empty. Like if our house caught on fire, we would have had a rude, rudest surprise in that moment. I can also remember that I gave my hand at trying homemade napalm. I kid you not, don't do this stuff. It's stupid. We should have died, not just because of explosives, but because our parents should have killed us. We should have died. Listen, I loved a good explosion. I love playing with dangerous stuff. And when it comes to prayers, we want explosive prayers, prayers that do something, prayers that are dangerous. And so we're talking about dangerous prayers. Last week, Pastor Jared gave a wonderful sermon on dangerous prayers of submission. It was a very impacting sermon. I'll tell you what, we got to see some of his heart and his journey. It was a great sermon. Next week, we're going to get to hear about dangerous prayers of impact. How God uses us for his kingdom. Today, what I want to do is talk about dangerous prayers of Of growth. Growth. Now, before getting to that, let me remind you of the problem. The problem is weak prayers. Not explosive, not dangerous. Weak, selfish prayers. Now, we tend to, in our kind of camp of Christianity, we pride ourselves on saying, hey, we're not health and wealth Christians. We're not health and wealth Christians. And then when it comes to prayer time, what do we pray for? Oops. We tend to pray for health and Wealth cracked me up. Last week, Pastor Jared talked about praying for Aunt Sally's gout. Killed me, just killed me. But if we're honest, we usually pray for our personal comfort, both for us and for our loved ones. Now, before going on, let me time out here and give a caveat. Remember, he is your heavenly daddy. Like any kid can go to mom or dad with any request, big or small. You can go to your heavenly daddy with anything. Don't be afraid to just talk to him about what's on your heart. At the same time, we don't want to be just stuck on weak prayers for personal comfort. We want to pray more dangerous prayers. Pastor Jared injected the idea of high percentage prayers. These are the prayers that God answers with a high degree, a high probability. He answers these prayers. How do you know what those prayers are? Well, the Bible gives us a hint at that, that we need to be praying According to God's will. Look with me, if you will, at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. It says this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Okay, so there it is, pretty clear. If you want a high percentage of dangerous prayer, pray according to God's desire, God's will. But you know what would be awesome? What we really need is some clear verse in the Bible. Something that it just says clearly, for this is the will of God. Oh, huh. okay, how about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3? Here it is. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So what we learn is if we want dangerous prayers, we need to pray according to God's will, and God's will is your sanctification. That means your growth, your holiness, your maturity. You're becoming more like Jesus. That is what we need to pray for. Those are dangerous. Those are high percentage prayers. And folks, it's just common sense. Imagine you're a parent, and your child comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I, I have a request. Would you help me grow up? Would you help me mature? Like, I want to be a better member of the family. I want to be a better friend. I want to be more responsible. I need you to help me eat better and exercise more, whatever else. It, oh, my goodness. As a parent, you're like, how can I? I'm in. Why? Because the child just prayed according to your will, Right? Now imagine your child comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, can I have a rocket launcher? (laughs) Okay, many of you right now are thinking about Calvin and Hobbes, right? I'm a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan. I have every book. One of them is signed by Bill Watterson himself. Like, I love it. And you know Calvin, every Christmas, he tries to ask for a rocket launcher. In that moment, he is praying according to Calvin's will, not mom and dad, and he gets a no every time. Question is this, which kid are you? In which way are you praying to God? You see, when it comes to God, we all get kind of shocked. Uh, Like It's like we read this verse about praying according to his will, and it's like, what does that mean? That's so opaque, like, Like, what does that mean that God's only going to give us what he wants to give us? Like, he's going to impose his will on our prayer requests? Like, won't he give me what I want? Who does he think he is? And in that moment, it is so weird to us that God will only give us what we want. But ironically, it's not weird to us at all that we would impose our will on our children's requests. That's kind of ironic right there. Remember, he is our father who art in heaven. He's a good, good daddy. And I want you to catch this. The difference between your child and you as a parent is infinitesimal compared to the difference between you and our father in heaven, which is infinite. Of course we would expect him to impose his will upon our requests. You see, so these... Dangerous prayers, praying according to God's will. This flows from last week, and that is submission. In fact, let me give you another angle on this. What if you began your prayer time by asking God if he has any prayer requests? Not that God would pray to you. No, no, no. But you're saying, God, what is it that is on your heart that I might pray back to you? You're asking God for a prayer request. You're basically saying, what is it that you want, God? And that is a dangerous prayer. That's a high percentage prayer right there. Now, if you do that, my guess is you will probably end up praying big picture prayers. Long-term prayers, eternal perspective prayers. These are going to be prayers that don't matter just today and tomorrow. These prayers are going to matter a thousand years from now. You see that? These are eternal perspective prayers. So let me tell you what I often pray for my family. I don't usually pray that God would keep them safe. I pray dangerous prayers. I say, God, could our family really know just exactly who you are. Because I'm convinced, God, if we know who you are, we will love you more fully. Could we love you more fully? In fact, could my, God, my kids love you far more than I ever have? Could they exceed me in that? And then I pray, because we love you so much, would we love what you love? Would we love your kingdom, love your people? Would we serve you really well and go home and hear, well done, good and faithful servant? You see, those folks, those are dangerous, dangerous prayers. They're explosive. I'll give you a good example of this from the scriptures. In Psalm 139, that, that psalm ends with David praying this. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That is a dangerous prayer for growth from King David, the man after God's own heart. And he is asking God, examine me, diagnose me, fix me, lead me, lead me. That's a dangerous prayer. I want you to think of going to a doctor. You go to a doctor because you know something's wrong with you. The, the, The problem is you just don't know what is wrong with you. Right, And so you go to the doctor to get examined. Now, what kind of doctor do you want? You want a doctor who is like crazy smart, knows all about the human body and how it works. But you also want a doctor that isn't just smart about abstract humanity, but really knows you personally, that she has uh, really done tests and, and, and she's looked at your history and she knows all about you. You also want a doctor that actually cares. Like maybe this doctor, maybe he listens to you and he really spends time with you. That's the kind of doctor that you want. What I want to ask you to do later today is go read the rest of Psalm 139. Let me tell you what you're going to find. You're going to find out that God knows you inside and out. That he thinks about you all the time. That he loves you. That his infinite knowledge is only matched by his infinite love. That's a really good doctor. So you're going to God and you're saying, God, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I need you to examine me. I need you to fix me. So what do you do? Well, think about this. When you go to the doctor, you know what you do there? You get naked don't you? You get naked. Let me tell you kind of a weird thing here, but it's it's interesting. There are only two people in this world before whom I get naked. One is my wife, and we're not talking about that. It's none of your business, okay? But the other is some dude that I barely know. It's my doctor. And it's kind of a weird random thing that it's my wife, that makes sense, and then this other guy. Why do I regularly get naked in front of that guy? And the reason why is because I don't want to hide anything from him. I need him to see all of me. I need to be exposed before him so that he can really know all about me and he can heal me. My point is this. If you hide from your doctor, you're foolish. Why would we hide from our God? That would also be foolish. And so they're... King David is praying before the great doctor, God himself. He's saying, search me, know me, try me, see me. What's wrong with me, God? How can you fix me? Lead me, please, lead me. That's the prayer. And that is a very dangerous prayer of growth. Let's look at it again. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, what I want to do is pull out of that a few ingredients of that dangerous prayer for growth. And the first one I want to highlight is this pray with humility. Pray with humility. The only reason you go to the doctor is because you know something's wrong with you. And you're going to God praying with humility because you know there's something wrong in your life. And David is saying, search me. Tell me what's grievous in my life. And sometimes what we find out is that we need to remove toxic people from our lives. I came across this graphic on social media recently. Maybe you've seen this. Eight toxic people you should just get rid of. Those who spread negativity. Those who criticize you all the time. Those who waste your time. Those who are jealous. Those who play the victim. Those who don't care. Those who are self-centered. And those who keep disappointing you. Now, as you continue to look over that list, what I want you to do is, I want you to, given that list, I want you to picture right now the most toxic person in your life. And as you look at that list, here's my question. Did you just picture yourself? Because look at the list, folks. The whole list is negative. Those who spread negativity. You criticize yourself. You waste your time. You're a jealous person. The whole list is about playing the victim. That it's everybody else's problem in the world that's hurting me. They're all toxic. I'm not. You're the victim. You're on the list. You don't take care of yourself. You're self-centered. You keep disappointing yourself. Listen, my point is this. If you follow this list, you would have to get rid of yourself from your own life. The most toxic person in your life is you. Now, King David gets that. Don't misunderstand. King David was very hurt by toxic people around him. But at the same time, he understood the biggest problem with me Is me. David got that. You know who else understands this? Some of our elementary students are starting to get this. Back when they used to go to schools, uh, they would find things like this. And if you look at this picture right here, meet the person responsible for your choices, grades, success, words, actions, all mirrors. You're looking in the mirror. It's you. You know who else understands this? Give you a group in our congregation that understands this. We are blessed here at Redemption Chapel. We have a thriving addiction recovery ministry. And our addicts know this principle well. They know that you have to blame you. That you have to fix you. that, That if you get hung up on blaming everyone else, you'll never get whole. Our addicts get this principle very well. I'll give you a caveat, though. D- does this mean that hard stuff hasn't been done to you? Oh, no. No, it's, this is a crappy, hurtful world. Absolutely, it hurts at times. Stuff has been done to you. And I'm not talking about, listen, if, if you have been physically or sexually abused, yeah, there's a very toxic person in your life, and it's not you, and I don't want you to blame you for that. That's not fair. No, no, no. It's not what I'm talking about. At the same time, I don't want your prayers to be stuck on, God, fix that person. God, what's wrong with them? Those are weak prayers. I want you to pray dangerous prayers where you realize you are not just a victim in this world. You are also a perp that hurts yourself and hurts others. And so you want to start out with, God, fix me. God, fix me. Because understand, you can't control them. You can only control you. You can't fix them. You can only fix you. And so I want you to pray, God, search me. That's a dangerous, dangerous prayer. And the assumption to that prayer is that I have work to do. That the biggest problem in my life is me. The most toxic thing in my life is me. God, will you help me with that, please? Listen, you don't go to the doctor to fix other people. You go to the doctor to fix you. Now, the irony of this is I knew I was going to cover that hard this morning. And so uh, as we went through the week, it's like God said, said to me, hey, here, son, let me give you an illustration to use. Thanks, Father. So the coronavirus thing hit, and, uh, and I, I sent out a video, and I got to be honest with you, I biffed that video hard. Uh, I, I injected way too much personal opinion. I acted outside my wheelhouse and expertise on some of my thoughts. Part of the problem is I put it out a day too early when everything shifted and changed. Timing was off. But then my tone was off too. I think I was flippant on an issue that was very scary to some people. Now, there were uh, a lot of people that agreed. My overwhelming majority of feedback I got was positive, but that's not the point. The point is that there were some who disagreed. They were very stung by that video. And that was my mistake. Those are my people that I care about. And if that's you, I just want to say I am very, very sorry. I apologize. I messed that up. And I'm using that to examine some things in my own life and ministry and how I can learn and grow from that very thing. Here's the thing, though. In my position, uh, when I make a mistake, I have the privilege that I get to make my mistake in front of of hundreds and hundreds of people. And some of you are thinking, what video? I didn't see it. Can you send it to me? No, we took it down. Leave me alone, man. Leave me alone. Oh, well. So question, do you want to hear my rationalizations? Do you want to hear my justifications, my excuses? I've got a list and they're really good. But if I go that route, hear me plainly, I will be in the process of caring more about my reputation before man instead of my examination before God himself. And I should be far more concerned about the latter. And so what I want to do is say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You understand if you pray that with sincerity, that's a dangerous prayer, and God will give you some things to work on. Like, you, like, when David prayed that, it wasn't like he expected the Father in heaven to look down on him and say, hey, David, you know, like, I thought Jesus was the only perfect human being. Turns out it's you too, man. No. No, no. God's going to give you some things to work on. It's a dangerous prayer. Now, because of that, let me give you the second element that I want to highlight. The dangerous prayers, we need to pray for forgiveness. The reason why is when you pray dangerous prayers of humility, God is going to point out some things, some filth in your life, and you're going to feel dirty and exposed. You might even feel shame. Now, time out. Let me give you a caution there. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Shame is from Satan himself. Don't go there. Like, some of you think your sin is too gross for God to forgive. In a moment, I'm going to be referring to Psalm 51. Let me tell you this, though. The one who wrote Psalm 51 is, again, King David. He wrote it as a prayer for forgiveness in response to the fact that he committed adultery. And in order to cover it up, he then had the woman's husband killed, who was also David's very good friend. That's King David, the man after God's own heart. Okay, listen, if he can be forgiven, you can too. There's nothing you have done. Listen, your power to sin is not greater than God's power to forgive. And so what David prayed in Psalm 51, he prayed that God would make him whiter than snow. We have a context for this in Northeast Ohio, don't we? Because we get these like kind of winters. Right? Like it snows, but then it melts, and we get that slush, and there's the road filth, and the mud, and the pet droppings, and it's like this stew out there that is just disgusting. That's me. That's King David. That's probably you too. Here's what God does. Sometimes overnight, God lays down that fresh layer of snow, right? And if you're the first one up in the morning, you look out the window, and it is undisturbed, it's perfect, it's pristine, it's pure, it's white like snow. And that's exactly the picture. We mess it up, God forgives. If you read Psalm 51, you read David praying, God, would you fix me, heal me, cleanse me, purge me? David didn't fix it, God fixes it. And that's exactly what he did for us in Jesus Christ, right? So, so that on the cross, all my sin, all of it went on Jesus. And all of his righteousness came on to me. I didn't do it. Jesus did it. And now I'm whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. And we must cling to that. And let me tell you why. Because we're, we're asking God to search us and grow us and work on stuff. But I want you to have something really clear in your mind. We are not going to grow in order to earn God's favor. No. We have that by the grace of Christ. There is nothing I can do to make God love me more. There's nothing I can do to make God love me less. We're going to grow because we love God and we, we want him to heal us and fix us. Okay, But we have forgiveness not because of growth. We have it because of his grace and our humility. That's it. And if you pray for forgiveness, that will be a dangerous prayer. Dangerous prayer. But to hinge toward our next ingredient in dangerous prayers for growth, let me just tell you this. I want you to pray not just for forgiveness, but for freedom. Not just for grace, but growth. Not just heaven, but healing. Not just pardon, but purity. Not just salvation, but sanctification. Not just mercy, but molding to Jesus. And so this leads us to our next ingredient in dangerous prayer for growth. And that is to pray to be more like Jesus. If you watch in Psalm 139, it ended that prayer by saying, lead me in the everlasting way. That is in the eternal way, the kingdom way, the way of Jesus. Listen, when you go to the doctor, he doesn't just examine you and diagnose you. That's only part of it. Then he prescribes. He wants to cure you and heal you. That is the other part of it. And so when we go to the great physician, God himself, we're saying, God, search me and tell me what's wrong, and now lead me in the everlasting way. Help me grow to be more like Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to arrive while I'm still in this broken, crummy world. It's a broken world and I know I will not be really holy until I go home to heaven and I'm with Jesus. In the meantime, I'm gonna be a mess and I'm gonna be dependent upon grace till I go home. But at the same time, while I'm still in this broken world, I wanna strive and do the most I can to get to be the most like Jesus I possibly can even before I go home to him. That's the goal. So what I'm suggesting is that you pray to be a Jesus freak. Now some of you are trying to dabble in Christianity, but I don't want to be a Jesus freak. Let me just, let me give you a heads up about something. Eventually you're going to die, and if you belong to Christ, you're going to go home to him. And when you get to heaven, you understand there is no sun because God is there in all his radiance and glory. And in that moment, do you think the God of the universe is going to condemn you because while you were on earth, you were too much like Jesus? Seriously? But listen, folks, that's then. But it doesn't just count for then. God's goal in your life is not that you just believe some stale theology that might help you someday when you get to heaven. No, no, no. His goal is also transformation in your life right now, here and now. So I want to suggest to you a book. It's called Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson. And in that book, what he does is he compares kind of our weak prayers, that we usually pray, to the New Testament prayers of Paul the Apostle that were dangerous prayers. It goes really well with this series. Let me give you a quote from that book. Look what he says. He says, When Christ by his Spirit takes up residence within us, he finds the moral equivalent of mounds of trash, black and silver wallpaper, ew, and a leaking roof. He sets about turning his residence into a place appropriate for him. A home in which he is comfortable. There will be lots of cleaning to do, quite a few repairs, and some much-needed expansion. But his aim is clear. He wants to take up residence in our hearts as we exercise faith in him. Listen, he is a good dad. And no matter what you've done, he will forgive you. God loves you enough to accept you just the way you are, but he's also a good dad. He is loving enough to not leave you like that. He wants you to bear the family resemblance that your life would look more like Jesus in humility and in holiness and love and sacrifice and intimacy with the Father, that you would look more like Jesus. You see, new life starts now. And that's part of dangerous prayers praying for that kind of growth. One of the ways I do that, I have an annual habit that I get a yearly retreat. Sometimes it's a half day, full day, overnight, two nights. Changes year to year. But I get an annual retreat where I'm praying dangerous prayers of growth. I'm saying, God, search me, try me, know me, heal me, lead me. Basically, I'm saying, God, what is in me that grieves you What needs to change? What prayer requests do you have for me to pray in my life right now? And I want to give you a longer list of categories that I go through so that you might be praying dangerous prayers of growth as well. Look at this list, if you will. I do some examination on character, like things like humility. And I'm saying, God, how is my heart? Am I loving you fully? Am I loving people? And and then I pray through areas of sin and temptation in my life. Those aren't hard for me to find. And then I pray about my walk with God, how I'm doing in my personal times in the Bible and in prayer uh, and in my intimacy with Him in those times, my intimacy moment by moment throughout the day, my walk with God. And then I pray for my, uh, and examine really my, Engagement in transformational community. You might call that fellowship. That is Christians getting together, but it should be transformational. That I really know them and love them. I know them by them. I'm loved by them. Then I examine my marriage. How do I need to be a better husband? I, I examine my family. How is it that I need to be a better dad? Then I look at just my being a man, being a human being. My exercise, my diet, my recreation, (laughs) that one might surprise you. Let me just tell you, Pastor Rick has no chill, and so I have to work at recreation. Pray for me. Uh, Then I look at the the go area, no-grow-go. Like, how am I going to advance the kingdom? How am I serving? How am I giving? How am I reaching out to others with the message of Christ? And then I also look at my identity in Christ so that I don't get stuck just being a human doing. I'm a human being that I need to soak and steep in the grace and the love of God that, that know who I am in Christ and be transformed by that. Okay, now what that list is, is it's almost like halftime at a football game. I'm going in the locker room. I'm saying, what's been going wrong the first half and what do I need to start doing next half? I do that every year. That becomes my yearly goals. Those become my prayer requests that I pray through all year long. One of the things I've learned to do is to transition those goals into daily habits, sometimes weekly habits. What am I going to do, what activity to help me get there? I'll give you one other tip. Just this year, I started using an app, a free app called Habit Share. And it allows me to record my progress so that I know exactly how well I'm doing. I don't have blinders at all. I know how I'm doing. As well, I use it for accountability. I share it with my two accountability guys so that they're able to see how I'm doing on those things. Uh, To you two guys, heads up, don't look at last week. It's horrible. Coronavirus, all right, leave me alone. It's been a hard, hard week, but there it is. Basically what I'm doing is I'm praying through Psalm 139. I'm saying, God, lead me in the everlasting way. Would you make me more like Jesus? And if you pray that with sincerity, that's a dangerous prayer. All right, I'm going to give you one more ingredient of dangerous prayers for growth, and that is praying for strength. Let me be honest with you, you're going to need it. Because dangerous prayers start with the assumption that God is more committed to your growth than to your personal comfort. Uh Uh-oh, that's dangerous. What if all your prayers started with the assumption God is committed to my growth, not my comfort? That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. Listen, God wants strong children, not spoiled brats. So let me share with you a great quote on prayer by Phillips Brooks. He said, Oh, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. God is not committed to your comfort. He's committed to your growth. And so what we have now are dangerous prayers for growth. We're going to pray with humility for forgiveness to be made more like Jesus, and then pray for strength. All right, with all that on our belts, let me give you a few thoughts for application. You know how at the end of community group, whatever small group of Christians you get together with, men's study, women study, whatever, you get together, we almost always have that time at the end, okay, uh, let's take some prayer requests and pray together. All of us do the same thing in the moment. We freeze like a deer in the headlight, and we start to scan our brains for who is it I know, some relative or friend who has a medical ailment, so I can mention that. We do it all the time, right? Or or what we do is say, hey, who do I know that's out of a job or struggling financially? Do you realize we just prayed for health and wealth? Now, another safe prayer request is that we say, hey, can you pray for my children? Pray for my son really that is a prayer for health because I'm, I'm about to kill the boy, right? So, so it's a prayer for health as well. But those are the safe prayers. What if instead you prayed dangerous prayers? What if your group of Christians sitting in a circle, what if you imagine that Jesus were right there and the first thing you're gonna do is say, hey Jesus, tell us what we should pray for each person. And now Jesus is gonna go around the room and say, this is what I want you to pray for her. This is what I want you to pray for him. This is what I want you to pray for, to pray for her around the circle. And the way you get at that is that you individually say, listen, this is the way God's speaking to my life and challenge me. This is where I'm messing up. This is where I need to grow. And would you guys pray for me for that? Oh my goodness, that's risky. But I'll tell you what, it's dangerous. And if you do that, it will be transformational in your life and in the whole group. Those are dangerous, dangerous prayers. It'll be life-changing. Now, here's what I want to do in wrapping up. I'm not going to close in prayer. Don't tune out because in a moment, Gary's going to come back up and he is going to have a closing song and then I'll be back for a benediction. But I'm going to give you just a little bit of space right now. We'll put Psalm 139 up on your screen. And I want you at your home to take a moment of silent prayer and pray for your own growth. Pray, search me, God. Go ahead.